wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. Give me a full ballerina skirt and a hint of saloon and I'm on board. Mm. I can't go back. Welcome to the She Became Visible podcast. I'm your host, Renee Steelman. This podcast is my story. It's your story. It's our story. It's all the stories of all the women who one day knew that it was time to remember who they were, who they are, and stand up and be seen. Hey friends, welcome to She Became Visible. I am so excited. If any of you of you are following me on social media, I have been telling you how excited I am that I have as my guest today, Sasha Piton. I'm so honored. Can you believe it? I have the confident hippie at my table in front of me. And let me tell you people, she is confident and I love it. I love it. We've had a good time. Yeah, we have. Way, way more, way more fun than we should have, as considering the fact that she is my children's age and uh, and it's like should I be having this much fun with someone that's like my children's age I don't know I don't know yeah yes but we're going to get right into it because we have a lot of things to talk about um I honestly think that I found Sasha through my children I think my daughters are huge followers of you and they were talking about it I think that's how I initially found you how fun I know and I love that I love that um you know that other generation we're all helping each other right Mm -hmm. and uh so anyway but I I found her at just the right time where she was at and her Instagram um journey. Thank you. And I loved everything that she was saying. And so I continued to follow her. And, uh, but I did not know she was also on TikTok because most people my age are not on TikTok, but I am on TikTok. And so I found her and now I'm following you on TikTok. TikTok is fun. Too. Yeah. It's yeah. a good time. Yeah. It, it, it's to me, it's like that progression like you start out on Facebook and then all the old people are doing Facebook so you're like I'm not doing that anymore so then you get on Instagram and now the old people are catching up with Instagram so now I was like fine I'll just do TikTok you know we're never going away though I I'm just telling you we will find you and catch up with you yeah us old people I just like TikTok because it I mean I'm two years late to the game but I feel like especially because my social media transitioned from the Mormon hippie to just Sasha Piton like Mm I I needed to be able to like share and be myself without this expectation of like what I'm supposed to be Mm -hmm. and so I feel like I I took a break from social media when I made the transition in my Instagram and everything and then I found TikTok and it was really fun because I just got to be me so the people that follow don't follow because of a niche or because of you know church things it's they just know me as me Um. and I love that I love that it's just a totally different crowd and I really there's nothing wrong with either crowd but it's just nice to just be because when they found you on TikTok, they weren't already the followers from Instagram. Correct. So this was a new platform kind of for them. And yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? Let's just start out since that's kind of where we, we yeah. started out. Let's start out with that transition that you made from the Mormon hippie 
to the confident hippie to pretty much just Sasha. Yeah. Right. Well, I did the Mormon hippie and I started that in January of 2021. It was just a chance for me to like share my insights being, I would say a more progressive member. I didn't know that was a term. I didn't use that term for myself. I just called myself a disciple of Christ and I had membership in a specific church, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I wanted to like kind of create a space on the internet that just people felt welcome to be like, no matter what you believe in your faith practice, it doesn't matter. Let's release shame. Let's release judgment and just be yourself. So I created that page. I ended up sharing a lot of my insights and it kind of went viral really quickly. Mm. And so, but the thing is though, with a New York times article that I'm sure we'll talk about because I got a lot of hate after that, it felt a little bit easier to process the hate because people would tag the Mormon hippie and Mm. like talk about what a horrible person I was or (laughs) things that I did and what, and so it just felt a little bit distant, right? Right. Like it was already hard to process, but at least it wasn't my name across their page. Mm. Mm. And so that's honestly like when I took a step back and I ended up releasing the institution and I just, I kind of needed to take a break. The reason when I came back as the confident hippie, I didn't do this consciously, but I realized after a while it was like a barrier. Mm -hmm. It was just, uh, again, to protect myself in Mm -hmm. case I did get hate or whatever. I could just kind of like put it aside. And so after a few months though, of just kind of re feeling the waves of like social media and like letting people accept my transition out of Mm -hmm. the church. And Mm -hmm. I felt more comfortable and confident to just be myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, am I a hippie? Totally. Am I confident? Yeah. Am I like, but I realized I don't need to like have a label. It just was a chance to me like, you know what? These are just walls. Right. And at this point, if what people choose to do with, my opinions or my platform is their choice. I don't have control over that. So right. I'm just going to be myself. Right. And, and one of the things that Sasha and I have in common, which I think is a huge blessing, is that neither one of us, uh, I, me, I grew up in the church more than Sasha did because I was 12 when my parents joined the church. But I didn't start out in primary. I wasn't baptized at the age of eight. I didn't have all the right. rituals and, and the latter that a lot of people that uh, were born in the church have, which... The blessing of that is that my a lot of people in my home and family were not members of this particular church. And so I had an opportunity to be around loving, kind, wonderful people who didn't follow standards that Mormons adopt. Right. And I knew they were good people. And right. so I, I didn't have to put those two things together. Like one time I was walking through the mall with my granddaughters and one of them said, um, uh, Nana, why is that mannequin? She didn't say mannequin, but why is that lady dressed immodestly? Mm-hmm. And and I thought, see, that's that's the stuff I didn't grow up with. Right. And you know, she had on a sleeveless, beautiful, uh, you know, Michelle Obama type dress. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. And so I was like, oh gosh, you know. <laughs> so I didn't have that, and you didn't have that either. No. So tell us a little bit, and I know those of you that follow Sasha are probably already familiar with the story, but just in case there are people that aren't. Um, just talk about how, you know, how you grew up and, and where you found the Mormon church and how that became a part of your life. And For sure. Yeah. So, start- so I grew up in Sedona, eh, my hometown I love so much. But in growing up in that setting, my parents were both raised Catholic, but had kind of left the religion and had their own experiences where they didn't feel like that was a part of their life anymore. So we didn't grow up with any kind of religion in when I was a kid. And we went to Catholic mass a couple of times. We were like CEO Catholics, like Christmas and Easter only. Mm-hmm. My mom just wanted us to know what she grew up with, but it was always the understanding that we could pick whatever we wanted when we got older, if we chose to go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my best friends in high school were Jewish and Buddhist. And so I was kind of like, it, not that I was atheist, but it was like the three of us were usually like the ones that were together or like that's 
I was usually with one of them. So I feel like I always had their back when it came to disputes, especially primarily with Christian people. Like that was, I just was super kind of anti-Christian over time because of how they were treated. I was treated. It wasn't my favorite. Anyway, I'm going to college, super anti-Christian. Then I end up meeting someone who says she's LDS, and I don't know what that means. So I was like, okay, whatever. We're friends. You for take like, drugs? I don't want to say I know. That. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. LSD. I yeah. know that one. But yeah. yeah. So I, I don't really get it. And then we continue to become friends. We, we are chatting one day, and I remember I was like, I'm so sorry. What is LDS? You keep saying that. Is that like a club? Is that a hairstyle? I have no idea. <laughs> what that means it kind of is a hairstyle but they're real yeah yeah so then she told me but the thing is i totally missed out on the church of jesus christ i was looking for the lds so latter-day saint and i was like oh okay and then she goes i'm mormon and i was like i don't know what that is like i really hadn't heard of it so as someone who's in college with anti-christian feelings best friends that are kind of the minorities of religions like i don't have any i didn't get it and so we were so we started to develop a friendship and finally someone was like you do know that she's like mormon like that she's going to try to convert you. And I was like, what? She had never once. Like, it was just not like that. Mm. She was super open-minded, kind, like I swore like a sailor, gay rights activist, feminist. And she, we were just friends. We just were humans that mm-hmm. got along because we both were good humans. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so yeah, I ended up finding the church when I was in college. So I got baptized a year and a half later. I was never asking questions with an intent to join. It was just for me personally, like when I kind of came across and understood like the basic teachings, it was like, the fact that Joseph Smith saw two beings was like a big deal to me because I had best friends. One was Buddhist, so they believe in multiple gods. So technically, if God and Jesus are separate, that's true. Mm-hmm. And then I had a friend that was Jewish who believed in God but didn't believe in Christ. And so I was like, well, again, if they're separate, that's true too. So if, for me, if for a Christian mm-hmm. religion, it resonated with like an understanding of like, there would be a God who would know me and there there would be a God that would create space and room for all these other religions to exist. Mm -hmm. And the way that I learned about it, I always kind of say the church that I joined is not the same church that I stepped away from. Mm. And that's, I feel like early on, I really had this great feeling and understanding of, of God and, and truth and being truth all over the world. And all these things that I felt were really, really beautiful back then. And I just, it resonated with me. And after a long, I mean, again, it was not an overnight process, a year and a half of learning and asking questions and with never the intent to join, just really fascination. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what? You don't drink, you don't smoke. Why this? Why this? Like, why do you call it an endowment? Like the things that I did not know, Mm -hmm. Mormons have such a specific vocabulary. Like there, I remember thinking like they would say, oh, he's speaking from the pulpit. And I was like, the pulpit? do I have two of those? Like (laughs) realizing and like prophet of God, Uh I thought of P R O F I T. So I was Ah. like, why would God need money? So that was right though. No, (laughs) we have thoughts about, but like there was all these terminology that I literally did not understand. And so for me asking every question, like, why do you call it sacrament? Why do you call it endowment? What's a fire? So I don't know. It's like a talk by the fire. Okay. It's like a devotional. What's a devotional? Like these terms that are just used. I had never, I didn't have any context. Right. Right. I'm like, what are these things? Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people understand that, uh, um, that there is a Christian lingo, mm-hmm. but then there's a Mormon lingo completely that you you will not understand what people I remember going to the um Hill Camorra pageant in New York my we I grew up just south of Chicago so vacationing when you live in the Midwest is just get in the car and go because you mm-hmm. can just go all different directions right so we drove out to New York we went to the Hill Camorra pageant and I'm only like 13 years old anyway and I don't know who all these people are so they're talking about Nephites and you know Lehi and Nephi and Levi and I'm like I don't know who you people are I don't understand any of this 
this, but that was cool, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely a lingo that you, you have to kind of grow into. Yeah. 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 So I ended up joining the church when I was just before I, I was turned 21. Okay. And then about two years later, I went on a mission. I love that. I I love the story that you told that she was raised by really free thinking parents who did not push religion on her at all Mm -hmm. and said, you know, you will you will make these choices when you get older, you know, and and we will let you do that. But then when you told them that you were joining the LDS church, they're like, absolutely not. Yeah. They're like any other one but that one. Right. Like (laughs) I was like, no. Yeah. Yeah. It was adorable. I mean, I feel like especially because I grew up really independent, like we are. I don't know, my parents are divorced. You do things out of survival. You got to. And my mom was a single mom working really hard. My dad lived in a different state. Like, And so I just laughed because I was very independent. Yeah. I had to get things for myself. So when I joined the church, and especially when I wanted to go on a mission, my dad was like, I'm going to do everything in my power to stop you. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. Like, <laughs> you raised me to be more independent than that. So like, I love you. I know you think you're you're, you're doing what's best. But like, let's be honest, that's not, you're not going to stop me. So let's yeah. just have a conversation on what your concerns are. Yeah. Let's do that instead. Yeah. How mature is that? Yeah. How much better would people be if they could say, that's so cute, but guess what? I'm 20, almost 21. Mm-hmm. So let's just have a conversation about this mm-hmm. instead of, because you can't really ground me. Right. But you could try. You but don't I live mean, in the same so state. Fun. Yeah. Let's try that. I'm precise. <laughs> Go ahead. Ground me. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of teenagers right now going, oh, and so she said, what? No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, that was good. I like that. No. Yeah. But no, that's, I love that, that you raise your children to be independent. You tell them you have your, they have their free agency but then you go but let me tell you what's going to happen if yeah. you don't make the choices that I want but to make this for you religion is the one you want are yeah. you sure yeah interesting though I wonder like you say he said any other religion I don't care it turns out I didn't know this but my dad had actually gone to the LDS church and had experienced some Weird things that I, we've never even fully talked about, oh. but he basically got into a, a get rich quick scheme with all these oh. people and then they left him out to dry and he ended up having to file for bankruptcy <gasps> when I was younger. So I was like probably seven when this happened okay. and it, it wasn't until, right, I mean, I joined the church and then two years later went on a mission and it was the three days before I was going on a mission that I was like, seriously, what is your deal? Like he was just so angry, not at me, but I could tell he was just angry at the church and his fear for me was so high that I'm like, tell me what your fears are. Like, what is this thing? And then he was like, do you remember that whole thing that we, I got into and I got, I had to file for bankruptcy. And I was like, yeah. And he's like, it was, it was the Bishop and the other like people that were in these meetings that I went with that they left me out to dry. So That's interesting. Yeah, so unfortunately. I wish that was a unique story, but unfortunately it's not. That's very sad. So I loved, uh, one of the first things that I started seeing when I started following you was you had the greatest uh, comedic uh, post where you would be like God. Oh yeah, God being sarcastic. Yes, it was so hilarious. I loved it because it was so right on. It was the difference between Really, if you believe in a, a loving, grace-giving God, a creator, and then you throw up these barriers that we have created, man has created, and then how God would respond to them. And well, then also your- just like the idea of realizing like, well, while we have prophets, I'm going to say we, but like that you may believe in they're doing their, they're also still human. Cause if they weren't human, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't, they would be translated. Right. So just even understanding like the humanity of the people in charge. Right. That was also like the, one of the ones of God being sarcastic was like, it was God, you know, talking to people like, yes, mm-hmm, AIDS is an issue. Starvation. No, for sure. You know, we have though, we've got double piercings happening. So yeah. I got to talk to Gordon. <laughs> I got to let him know. Yeah. 
Like, yeah. do you realize that how, yeah. what a big deal, yeah. like, you know, AIDS and starvation is, but like, for sure, God's going to make sure to tell a prophet about double piercings because right. that's the biggest issue that we have yeah. in the world. No. Yeah. Like, Gordon gave an opinion. Yeah. God, God bless his soul. He had some thoughts about piercings and yeah. like tattoos because when I got a tattoo, people were like, what, are, well, like, how did you handle that with like, didn't President Hinckley go through your mind? I'm like, no, oddly enough, this older gentleman that I've never met who I'm sure is a great human did not pass through my mind when I was getting a tattoo. <laughs> didn't yeah. occur to me to think yeah. of him when I was getting a second piercing. Like, yeah. what? Like my, the, the opinions I care about are my own right. about my body. Right. So I didn't think of Gordon B. Hinckley, who I have never met. And I wasn't even a member of the church when he was a prophet. So like, right. it just meant like, there's so many bigger things that I yeah. think about in yeah. the world. Exactly. Yeah, that's so true. I, I unfortunately was old enough to be sitting in that meeting oh. when they they broadcast it. And I, and, uh, I remember it, I, I, he was slowly, and gentlemen, you know, no jewelry whatsoever. And for women, I remember going, oh, no, you know, and he was like one earring. And I had three at the time. I mean, I got these, I got my ears pierced in the 80s mm-hmm. when it was no big deal, you mm-hmm. know. And so, and then what I learned really quickly is you can take the earring out, but the hole doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So now you have these very weird looking ears that are kind of getting saggy with like three or four holes in them. And I'm like, they look much better with a little gold stud in it. So they one do. day I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm just putting these back in. But I remember thinking the same thing. I'm like, don't say it, don't say it. And I remember thinking, I don't think God cares. I really don't think no. God cares. And it's funny because I, uh, yeah, I got my first tattoo before I ever was even questioning my my membership in the church because I just, I couldn't, I had a really easy time separating what I thought was from God and what was just some guy's opinion. I, I and, and with no judgment as far as like anger, but I remember going, I don't think it's that big a deal. Because first of all, we're a missionary church. And if you're going to be proselyting and you want to engage and, and bring people to Christ, some people are going to have tattoos. Mm-hmm. So then what do you do? Yeah. Are you going to stand up in sacrament meeting and say, sinner, how dare you after yeah. you just baptized this guy? Yeah. So at some point I realized that it's not going to work for you guys. So I really don't care about it. Yeah. You know? Um, I would so, say I got lost in that for a little bit because I have to try things on for size. I kind of joke that my life sometimes is a pendulum where I'll go from one part and then oh, like yeah. swing really hard on the other side. And then yeah. I eventually found my balance. And I feel like that happened, right? I didn't believe in any prophet, didn't believe in any really thing about God. And then I joined a church and I'm like, no, I do believe in God. And okay, somebody's leading me and guiding me. Like uh-huh. I'm going to do kind of what they say. Uh-huh. I try things on for size uh-huh. and I see how it feels. I and I that. And I feel like I... I have learned over time to trust my instincts when something doesn't take to my heart. I love that. If it doesn't take to my heart, then it's not truth with a capital T and right. I can let it go. Right. But I will try it on for size. Right. And I have no embarrassment about that. Yeah. I have no like, oh, I was so, I was super Mormon. I was swimming deep in the Mormon pool. I was like yeah. living that dream. Yeah. And I was, I wanted, because at first all the cultural things that I first felt and saw and experienced in the church when I was living in Tucson were all these positive, like, people cared, people were concerned. Yeah. I had surgery in my mouth and people were like, let me bring you a meal. I'm like, what? Like, yeah. there's, there's a lot of beautiful things uh, about that. Yeah, yeah. But then I saw myself getting lost in the culture of like perfectionism and wanting to be the best that I could be. And like, what is the, I want to say keeping up with the Joneses. Cause as a single person who was like 25, it wasn't that, but it was right. like keeping up with the Joneses in the sense of like, who's doing this service project. And who's, it was like the keeping up with the Joneses of like how, Through- charitable giving yeah like how does that work you know we're, we're not in a family ward so we can't like help this and we, we so it was a different vibe of keeping uh, up with the joneses with each other of just like 
you know, are we reading our scriptures every day? Are we doing a group study? Like it was, oh, so I yeah. did all of that. I yeah. mean, I was president of the LDSSA in the Institute in Tucson. Oh like, my gosh. I, yeah. I was, it was deep. Yeah. And I have no regrets. And I, some of it, I walked away being like, yeah, actually that made me better. That gave me skills in this. And some of it, I was like, yeah. that doesn't, I don't feel that yeah. tied to that. Yeah. I like that. I, lo- I really like that analogy because um, we do that in so many areas of our life, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have a, a whole bag full of clothes that's going to be going to a resale shop and I call them vacation clothes mm-hmm. because, oh, you're in Nashville. I, I think I have to have that fringe suede coat. Yeah. I, I love it. And I wear yeah. it you know, while I'm on vacation and then I get back to Oregon and go, you're going to wear that suede fringe coat? Really? Never again. Yeah, yeah. Never again. So, but I tried it on and I felt really good when I was there, you know, cause I fit yeah. in. Yeah. And uh, then I got home and I thought, oh, you look ridiculous. You would never wear that. You would have never bought that if, you know. Right. So I right. love that analogy because you're, you're right. Like you try things on and you go, yeah, I think that makes sense. And then after a while you go, yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. What was I thinking? That, you know, and not on, you know, there are always going to be things that are definitely bad and definitely, you know, like yeah. probably drinking turpentine is not a good idea. For sure. So, I mean, there's always going to be things like that. For sure. But I think it's okay to do that and then feel good about it. I love that I'm going to use the example even too of like when it comes to like the judgmental things that I used to say. Oh gosh, yeah. You know, like I've been, I think that's one of the things like why my account kind of went as big as it did so quickly is because I wasn't just preaching like let's right. all be the, it was like right. hey I noticed this about myself I noticed yeah. that I was judging right and I didn't realize I didn't feel good after a while and like why I was judging people so you know what like I've been there but I've chosen to let go of the judgment and to try to really live a loving accepting life of myself right and therefore others because right. you can only love someone else as much as you love yourself <sighs> so if you're judging someone you're just yeah. projecting what you feel about yourself so I had to go in deep and figure out why am I judging myself so right. harshly right. that I'm projecting it out on other people yeah and so once I did that once I really let go of that I shared that on Instagram it was like hey I've been here I used to think standing as a witness of God meant telling someone like, I really don't think that you should go to that restaurant with your family on Sunday because you just got baptized and you may not feel the spirit. Like I said that to someone and I am so mortified and hurt, but I go, you know what though? I wish them so many blessings. Now I've apologized. I've tried to Uh like say, Hey, I said this too. And I, that probably didn't feel good. And I really am sorry that I even thought that was appropriate to say, Right. but as a human being that's giving grace to myself, I had to go, I tried it on for size. I tried, what does standing as a witness of God mean? And I made choices and I don't agree with those choices now. I've tried to make recompense as much as I can, Right. but I have to acknowledge kind of like when you make a mistake, you make a mistake and you move right. on from it. But now right. I know what that felt like to right. try to stand as a witness God in that way. Right. And now I know that that's not right. Yeah. So I'm, I've also thanked that person. Like, I'm so sorry I said that to you, but thank you for, you know, being my friend at the time. And I'm, and I now realize why that those kind of statements won't come out of my mouth again. Yeah. And a really good point about Brene Brown has a a really Love good Brene Brown. I know she talk about queen and prophet. Oh my gosh, hundred percent. Go. But she what she said was um, when she talks about resentment, mm-hmm. like she talks about when you um, get angry or you call out a coworker because how dare you tell somebody that you can't work this weekend? I wish I could tell somebody that I can't work this weekend. The reality is you resent that person because. You actually could tell someone you weren't working, but they, you don't have the gumption or whatever it takes to do that. So it's not that that person, so that's how I feel like in the church, it's like, oh, you had a baby shower for your daughter who got pregnant out of wedlock. Well, is that what, is that the example we really want to, when in reality you're, you thinking 
I should have had a baby shower for my daughter. Yeah. Or, or I made a mistake once and everyone shamed me for my mistake, but this girl's getting celebrated. Yeah. I wasn't celebrated. So I'm now going to pass that shame on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's, or, you know, how dare that she's five foot 10 so she can get away with wearing those shorts because her garments don't even come anywhere near her knees. And I'm, you know, four foot 11. So they're practically at my ankle. I resent you. So I'm going to call you on your shorts. Mm -hmm. It's all resentment. And jealousy. And jealousy. 100%. And that is what I shared on Instagram. Like, that's when I say I wanted to help people become better people. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to wake up and, and like share on Instagram because I want to show that as a member of this institution, like we're not all that way. For sure. I wanted to show that like, listen, there are people that make choices and they belong to my same religion and they're not always great people. Not everyone's like that. But like, let's as human beings be better human beings. To me, my title is a disciple of Christ. A lot of people are calling me a progressive Mormon. That's a great title. If that works for you, that's fine. Mm -hmm. That's not how I identify. I'm a disciple of Christ and this is what I believe discipleship is, is loving myself and loving God enough to project out that love and kindness to others. Yeah. That's what discipleship is to me. If you want to, if you want to make discipleship a checklist of like, have you read your scriptures? Did you pray today? And are you holier than thou? Yeah. I am so sad for you that that's your, that's your checklist for discipleship. And I love that you set the example and made it your goal to say, I am trying to be a better person myself has nothing to do with the institution has nothing to do with, but I myself know who as a human living on this earth with other humans, this is where I want to be and how can I get to be a better person? Yeah. And And I wanted to share from the perspective of like, I've made some of these mistakes. Mm -hmm. I've said some of these judgmental things. I had been that person that was jealous that somebody was wearing this top that I didn't give myself permission to wear. And I projected that into judgment on them about their garments. When really like after I did some self-evaluating, it was really my own issue. Nothing to do with them. Exactly. And so I tried to approach it with like, Hey, I want to help us all. But like I'm telling you, I'm learning along with you. But these are some things that I've learned in the last few years that I'm hoping to pass along. So talk a little bit about one of the things that I thought was hilarious on your Instagram was you were talking about when you were on your mission in Salt Lake and here you came from Tucson. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the, the, your experience with the Mormon church in Tucson was the most loving, charitable people. Mm-hmm. And then you got to Salt Lake, the Mecca mm-hmm. of Mormonism. Mm-hmm. And in, you were just talking about some of the things you're like, what is happening? What is going on? Talk a little bit about the every, oh, every, every member of a, every member of mission president. Yeah. And you go friggin' serve your mission in Salt Lake City. Literally so many members have been mission presidents that they all have an opinion of how you're doing your mission. Yeah. So there was one day that we were, we, there was a widow in the ward. She had, was complaining about her yard. And so we said, well, we'll come do, we have a couple of service hours this week. Like, let us come help you. And she was so thankful. And so on our way back, we were like riding our bikes and this guy stopped us. He's like, sisters, sisters, come over. So we stopped in front of his house. He's like, is it P day? And I said, no, it's not. And he goes, why are you dressed like this? And I said, we were picking up sister so-and-so's yard. Maybe you could have done it, but since you didn't, (laughs) we went ahead and put some sweats on and and served one of your neighbors. Uh Are are we done here? Like, (laughs) I actually need to go get back and like start preaching Jesus. So if you're set judging me, I'm going to go ahead and go. (laughs) But like, literally I would say to them, like, actually we were doing this. And I, I was so blown away by the way people treated me as a missionary. Right. Like, are you, first of all, I was also like 23 years old when I went on a mission. So I was right. not like a fetus. Like right. I was a kind of a little bit more of an adult with like a more developed brain than a 19 year old. And yeah. I was just like, this is not real. Like yeah. I'm, I've been driving since I was 16. I've been going to college. I've lived on my own. And literally I'm in a situation where I have to do everything I'm being told to do. But now some, some fool on some the street's going to call me over and yeah. just tell me that my sweats are inappropriate because I'm a missionary and I represent Christ. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I represent Christ and I wouldn't help your neighbor because yeah. you couldn't do it. Yeah. 
You yeah. didn't even think to help the widow. You saw her yard. Yeah. You drove by it every Heaven day. Heaven forbid you step in and just do it. Yeah. But instead, we stepped in and said, how can we help? Yeah. Yeah, so exactly. for sure, go ahead and judge me about my sweats. Yeah, I love that. That was so great. Well, speaking about, we were talking about the garments and you started making um, comments. And what I love about your, your post is you could tell that they were um, real. Mm. They were just honest. Hey, I, I, I'm observing something. I want to share with you what, I'm, what I've observed today. And you started talking about, um, you know, in the LDS church, if you've gone through the temple, uh, there is a temple garment that they require everyone to wear that is a, a reminder of the covenants that you make in the temple. That's how they're sold. And um, you were just saying that for me and my body, I'm having a really hard time wearing these garments. It has nothing to do with a belief or anything like that. Physically, trying to wear this piece of clothing is not working. And you started expressing some of the problems you were having. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about how the response that you got from that yeah, and then where that led you. It was wild. I was basically just saying how because of the garment fabric, all of a sudden I can't work out in them. And I just said, it's something down there. My undercarriage is struggling a little bit. I made a joke <laughs> like that. And within an hour, I had like 100 messages. Within 24 hours, I had 1,300 messages of just like, oh my gosh, same. And then people expressing their concerns after having a baby with really excessive periods, with post-hip surgery, like where the strap hit, like all these things uh, that I haven't experienced. Yeah. But it was- That covers every single season of life. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, young women, uh, you know, monthly periods, uh, brand new mom, nursing, mm -hmm. older mm -hmm. woman, hip replacement. You've mm -hmm. just covered every season of life yeah. for women. And yeah. it was just interesting to realize that as we're having this conversation, like that everyone felt like they were alone. Mm. And so then I created a post that said, hey, I'm the only one benefiting. Like I know that I'm not alone now. I kind of thought maybe I'd get like 10 messages. I wasn't expecting 1300. So I put a post on and then within 24 hours that post had 700 comments. Oh my gosh. It was wild. And so then somebody reached out to me and said, hey, I'm a reporter with the New York Times and I, I cover the religion section. She's not Christian or LDS or anything like that. I think she's Jewish, but she was just super kind and was like, I really think it's amazing that you're encouraging women to advocate for themselves. Like. Mm. This is not like the feminist movement of like burn the bras. You're not talking about burning the garments. You're saying, hey, we should give them feedback because this isn't my problem. Like I was not trying to like lead a crusade to right. even to change the garments. Like I was getting mine custom made. I found out through a series of like tearful days at the distribution center trying to figure out what happens when they change the cut and the fabric that like I could get them specially made. So I started doing that. Mm. They were expensive, but I did it because it, I could then just wear them comfortably and not have to think about it. Mm -hmm. And then when I had these women messaging me about their individual issues, I haven't had children. So like post bleeding after having a baby mm -hmm. and like breastfeeding, not something that I think about. Mm -hmm. So I was, I found out through this process what the distribution, like specifically the garment department, um, feedback email was. Mm. So I posted it and said, if you're having struggles, send your feedback, mm -hmm. like send your issues. Cause I don't know what your issues are. I'm not trying to over here change garments. I was just expressing, wow, this fabric is frustrating. And I used to be able to work out in them and now I can't. Mm. So anyway, Ruth was just really kind and was like, I really think it's great that you're helping women advocate for themselves because then women said to me, I'm just worried about the rebellion. And mm. I would just ask them like rebellion and what mm -hmm. giving feedback rebellion mm -hmm. and explaining that this is hard for our like just physical health, vaginal health, things that are important, you know, mm -hmm. like this feels like rebellion. So then I was kind of coaching them through and I'm not a therapist or a counselor, but just coaching them through, like in my understanding, we receive, and I've heard this quote, so it's not something that I'm saying that's disrespectful or, right. or invading privacy, but we basically receive a patriarchal blessing over our body. And these garments are then placed on our body or we put them on 
to remind us of the sacredness and the divinity of our body, mm-hmm. right? And even the even the word of wisdom that LDS people follow of like specific code of health and and these garments, it's all just reminding us that our body is a tool to connect to God. We mm-hmm. have prayer, we have scripture study, but we also have our physical body. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting there going like, why are we so concerned about like the things that is the reminder mm-hmm. versus the actual tool itself? Mm. Like we're more concerned about the reminder being that people know that we're wearing the reminder versus right. actually connecting to the body itself. Right. And right. so it was just like, I did, I had to go through a little coming to Jesus when I was stopped wearing my garments at night and I couldn't work out in them. Not that you're not, you don't have to work out in them, but it was just like a, because of some issues, I had to go a couple of days and give my, my vagina some time to breathe. Like yeah. it was just a situation that happened. Right. And so right. I had to go to God and be like, Whoa, Whoa, whoa I'm, are we okay? Cause I've never not worn my garments for right. like two days before. Right. right. And then I was like reminded like, Oh duh, these are just a reminder of the sacredness of what this tool is my body. Right. I I'm choosing my body. I'm choosing the sacred tool here. Of right. course this is okay. Right. Why am I focused on that? Isn't that funny? Cause it reminds me of the story of the woman who had a bleeding issue. Remember this? Mm. And she had a bleeding issue and she went to Christ and she touched the hem of his garment to be healed. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the same thing? She yeah. reached out and said, I want my, my body is not healthy. Please help me heal my body and still follow your commandments or whatever. Not right, that right, I right. believe that that's a commandment of Jesus, but I'm just saying, but for that to be looked at, would, would, would it have been more godly for that woman to say, Hey, I was told not to touch him. I was told not to bother him. Right. Uh, I'm not going to worry, you know, but she had more faith than the, than the community around her. Right. And said, no, 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 I'm going to advocate for myself because I think he can heal me. And that's what you did. You reached out and said, you know, I want to do this. I want to be obedient. I want to follow these rules. Can you help me? Right. Make this work. The other thing that I thought was really interesting is that because I told the Internet, especially because I had a following of people who are not LDS. So I was also mm, kind of explaining these right, processes a right. little bit. Mm-hmm. But I even said like, look, I consented to wear these. I didn't consent necessarily to only like three fabric options, but like I consented <laughs> to wear them. Yeah. But I do feel like it would behoove them to hire like an underwear designer or to really understand like the female body. I said, cause as a plus size woman, I have to get mine specially made right. to fit comfortably. And it was so fascinating the amount of people that messaged and said, you saying the word consent completely triggered me and it made me realize because I didn't consent to this because there's so many years of not talking about what happens in the temple and what you're taking upon you. Like you were a grown adult when you joined the church and you were 22 years old when you went through the temple. So you did consent, but I did not consent when I was 19 and had never been told what happens in the temple. Right. And that was really something that was powerful that I realized like, what are we doing? Why, why is this a, why is this something that people are struggling with? They're now in their forties haven't been back to the temple and still feel this resentment on this garment that they have to wear because they didn't consent. They didn't know what it was. They were, their parents wore them and it was just expected. Right. But there was no discussion of like what it is, what it means. Like it wasn't until I said like, this is a reminder of the sacredness of the tool that we have that people were like, I've been Mormon my entire life. I'm like seven generations in and I've never heard anyone talk about their body like a tool like that. Why am I even wearing it? Yeah. Same thing with the word of wisdom because I would tie it in. I'm like, again, it's just a tool that we have to connect to God. How you choose to treat your temple Mm -hmm. is truly your own choice. Mm But there is a code of health that like early on this was given and like I follow it just because I do believe in like kind of I've chose I've chose again, I've consented to this and I knew what this was before I joined and mm-hmm. I knew that I would commit to this. Right. But, you know, someone who grows up in the church and they're like 12 years old and they're they don't follow, you know, but I, I just it was so interesting that as I use the term consent more and more because I made choices for myself to do that. Right. The amount of people that were like, but I didn't consent. Yeah. 
Yeah. I actually didn't want to do yeah, this. Exactly. I never said I wouldn't drink coffee. That's not like, that's not something that I, you right. know, like, right. Whatever their thing is. I remember even silly things. Like I remember my aunt, my, the oldest, my mom had, there were eight, she had seven siblings and the oldest, uh, was, had joined the church. I don't remember exactly what her conversion story was, but she had joined the church. Her husband never did. Her two children never did. Mm -hmm. I believe the one, I believe the two children were baptized at some point, but there was never any activity and the husband didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so she, but you know, I remember going to church with her a few times, but it was just because I was staying overnight with aunt Marilyn, you know, mm -hmm. that type of thing. Yeah. But so I remember we had all gotten together, all the sisters had gotten together and the, and the granddaughters, and it was so great. It was like at this reunion. And we stopped off at McDonald's, and my Aunt Marilyn ordered a Sanka, decaffeinated Sanka. And I remember going, oh, no, oh, no, what's wrong with Aunt Marilyn? She's going to, you know, what has she done? And it's mm -hmm. like, because I didn't even understand. It was just so black and white. It's like, no, decaffeinated coffee is not even allowed. You mm -hmm. don't even drink that. What does she think she's doing? What's happening here? My world was like partially shattered, you know, mm -hmm. over something like that. Oh, it's so frustrating. I know. So, but what I love about your, um, let's talk a little bit about where you, how you started out as the Mormon hippie. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of transitioned very quietly, I, I believe, and maybe I'm not as good of a follower as I should be, but I don't feel like there was any kind of a, today, folks, yeah, no, we're going to have a conversation. There wasn't any of that. Nope. So talk a little bit about how you went from the Mormon hippie to the confident hippie to Sasha. Yeah. So. I, I mean, it's interesting because in April, I was trying to figure out a way to like help my community realize like... Because again, I had to like learn once I put content out there, I had to release what it meant to me. It could still mean something to me, but mm. I couldn't be upset or angry if someone interpreted it their own way yeah. or like, that's not, that's not what I meant. You know, like things yeah. like that. Yeah. I had to just let it go. So it was interesting because I feel like I noticed my followers really valued certain words like active, temple worthy, things that described me that I mm. used when I first started my account. But over time, even that, I was like, no, that still carries shame and judgment. And I'm releasing that because that means that someone else is defining me by this and I don't care. Mm. I don't care about mm -hmm. those things. And mm -hmm. so over time I had to like my relationship with the temple change where I realized I hadn't been in a long time and I felt no sadness to that when COVID happened. It was like, oh, there's no pressure to even go to the temple. It's not a building that I carry a lot of. There's, I've had some nice experiences, <clears throat> but it's not been a very like super spiritual, you know? Mm -hmm. So just like, releasing that. And so I, I remember announcing in April, like, I just want you all to know that I'm not spiritually connected to this institution. And people kind of didn't understand what I meant by that. And I was just like, I don't care. I, I've already been sharing with you all my, like, I guess you would call them nuanced beliefs, but like even more so the farther and farther I get into this and I'm hearing from this community and I'm really asking myself, what do I want? What do I believe? the more and more spiritually connected I am to myself, that the higher power that I look to is to my God and to myself. Mm. And it has nothing to do with about an external church. Mm -hmm. And and it was just like, a, okay. And I, I lost like 100 followers, which usually when you make an announcement like that, like I don't spiritually believe in this church anymore, that would be a bigger deal. So I was like, I don't think that they understood it. So then I went live. I mm. went live that same day and I was like, let me just talk about what I believe. Like I said, here's this container and I feel like I'm trying so hard to tell everyone that I belong in it. And so I just, I'm, so, I'm tired of fighting. So I'm releasing the container. Mm -hmm. The container is no longer there. Mm -hmm. I feel good. And I lost like a hundred followers and I was like, interesting. So I kept posting and sharing, but I was like, I have nothing else to say. I've talked yeah. about everything that I care about. Right. And I don't care to keep talking about this because I've let it go. Mm -hmm. And so finally in like May, 
I like finally had to say, you guys, I don't like the word leaving. I don't like the word because I there's a lot of other people have emotions attached to leaving or left or just I don't. So I just I used the word release. Mm -hmm. It was like I picked up the church one day. It's like this water bottle. Mm -hmm. I picked it up one day and now I'm releasing it. I'm Mm -hmm. putting it down. Mm -hmm. This still exists. This water bottle is still here, but I no longer have it in my hands. Mm -hmm. It's no longer the belief system that I go by. Mm And so I finally, and I turned it into a reel and I did stories and everyone's like, this seems like it's coming out of nowhere. And I said, if you look seven weeks ago, I posted this very thing. And I was trying to use words that resonated with me. Maybe I didn't use the words that you understood what I meant by it. And Mm -hmm. that, sure, that could be my fault. I wasn't trying to be, I don't know what the word is, like passive aggressive yeah, yeah, I wasn't trying yeah. to be vague it yeah. just was like I don't want to sit here and go like I don't believe in the church anymore yeah. like because yeah. that's not the case how like, dare you yeah, yeah I just didn't care anymore yeah. and so yeah. I posted it turned it into a reel and then I lost 5,000 followers and I was like there we go now people get it like <laughs> now you get <laughs> I really because I was yeah. like because the seven weeks ago I was like I no longer identify as this like active temple worthy those words mean something to you and I realized if I really am self-reflecting honestly I used them to appeal to you because mm. why would I use them with myself? Right. Who cares? Right. But I use that to tell you all like, Hey, as an active temple worthy person in the church, like these are my belief systems. So if you feel this way, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. But then I realized that's still hustling for acceptance and I'm releasing that. I don't want to do that anymore. Mm. I don't do it with myself. I don't do it with others. I don't do it with God. I don't want to do it with this audience. Mm. So I just was trying to be really transparent. And so yeah, there was no big, like I'm leaving, but finally I was like, okay, so I, I'm, I'm putting, and I have made it into a room. Like I'm putting the, I used paper towels as the example, but I was like, I'm putting the paper towels down. So like just super clear. I just want you all to know that. And Mm -hmm. then I said, I need to take a break from the internet because I share with you guys live what I feel. And I need a little bit of a minute now that I've announced this to you to just like be myself and figure out what that looks like again, because nobody in my world cares Nobody, yeah. my family's not members of the church. They could not the, even, and they had seen me in this transition, especially, or this, I should say evolution the last like five years of my beliefs and not holding so strong to the like, you know, cause I was on that pendulum. Right. My balance was, you know, the tarot reading, crystal loving, Jesus meditating version of me. And so they were like, oh, well, she's not really that Mormon. But I'm like, but, and I was always like, but I, this is Mormon. Like why, why is Mormon so defined by one thing? Right. Anyways. So I just, I finally let it go. And I took some, I took a step back from the internet because I was like, why was the hardest part of this choice telling this audience of 35,000 people? Why is yeah. that the hardest part? Like right. that seems crazy to me, but it's because I realized I felt like I was the captain of a progressive ship and then I jumped ship and I realized these people felt like I was their captain. That's not the role that that I, that's not the role that I personally tried to take on, but that was, I realized people put me in that place and I did feel a sense of responsibility of like, they don't know that I'm not on the ship anymore, but they think I'm the captain of this progressive ship. Oh my gosh. I love that because you are exactly right because there are other there are other ships out there that people are like, oh, yay, I get to be on the Carnival Cruise Line now and and somebody's going to tell me what time to be on board and mm-hmm. where we're going the next day and I don't even have to think about it anymore, but everybody on this Carnival Cruise Line is going to be thinking like I'm thinking, but I'm not in charge. I don't want to be held responsible for this, but right. I'm going to be on that ship. For sure. And then you say, and then the captain of the ship went, went I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to Puerto Vallarta. I'm, I'm out of good. here. I'm all set. Yeah. <laughs> and they're Part all like, but, is good. but yeah, but you don't make me have to think where I'm going to be at four o'clock in the right. food buffet. I thought and you were going to steer I helped us. validate people in their belief systems. And that's, again, it, I appreciate yeah. the, the respect that people have for me. It means a lot, but I, 
in, in a reciprocated way, I also valued their trust. And so it was something that I was really trying to stay true to myself and announcing the way that I wanted to announce it, right. which was like releasing. I'm not like leaving. There's, And the amount of people that were just like, but what was your shelf? Like, what was the thing that yeah. break? Like, yeah. they all wanted to know, like, almost like the nitty gritty like icky details because I yeah. wasn't angry. They thought you're holding something back. And yeah. I'm like, I'm really not. And I've literally, there is no big shelf. There is no big one thing. You've all come here realizing that I believed a little bit differently. Right. And so now I'm just choosing to release the thing that says I'm different. Cause yeah. if I let it go, then I'm just me. Yeah. I'm just normal. Yeah. I'm just, what a unique, what, what, and you, what a unique idea that you can leave an institution, not angry, not bitter, mm. not, holding any grudges, just going, you know, I, I tried that on for a while. It, it, I really liked the way I felt when I was in Nashville, Yeah, but I don't like the way I feel in Oregon. So yeah. I'm not going to wear it anymore. And I'm, I'm still me. Yeah. I'm still me. I love that. Cause yeah. what a, whew. cause I, I do think there is kind of a, uh, almost like a uniform that people think they have to put on if yeah. they leave the institution. And, and then, it. and then I love this, but even people with like, well, can you, can you tell us what happened? I'm like, what do you, my account has been that. So they wanted me to like deconstruct my faith to get down to my choice. And I thought, again, I love you and I appreciate that you value my opinion. But right. what it sounds like to me is that you all just want a step-by-step -step guide on how to justify how you feel. Yes. And yeah. I honor where you are, but I can't make that choice for you. I shouldn't be a reason that you stay and I shouldn't be a reason that you go. Yeah. You do what works for you and your higher power and I'm going to do what works for me and my higher power. And what I'm telling you is I don't feel it's appropriate for me to give you a step-by-step -step of my personal journey because the amount of you that I can tell are just like, well, what happened? Like, can you deconstruct it for us? Like, no, I'm, I've literally, yeah. no, but I did say, but there are plenty of deconstruction accounts you can find if you'd like. Sure. People are like, do you have books? Do you have podcast recommendations? I was like, no. I said, when I was in that space, when I took two months off of the internet and I kind of was like, Ooh, I'm going to go away. And I kind of came back as the confident hippie. People would ask me like, what did you do? Like, can you help me? And I would say, I didn't, I didn't consume anything during those two months. I didn't read a book. Right. I didn't go to, I didn't listen to podcasts. I went into my own self. Okay. I turned inward and went to my heart because I don't need any more outside opinions. Even if those outside opinions validate my own beliefs, right. I need to be able to validate in my heart and soul what it is that I want. Right. So my suggestion is if you're struggling, turn off the noise, even if the noise agrees with you, mm -hmm. because you got to know who you are and what you believe. See, I, I love that because I think that is just like we wanted conference talks, Deseret books, to tell us what we believed. We want someone to tell us what we don't believe mm -hmm. anymore. And because I do believe <laughs> that there has been somehow a disconnect between your own personal feelings and emotions and that that has been, we were told not to trust those things. Right, right. And so what you're saying, what you were saying to your people was, what do you feel inside regardless of what's going on out in the world. How do you feel about when you go to these things mm -hmm. or you hear these things or you're at a community activity and there's things being said that are just kind of like in your heart, you're going, ooh, that's not good. I don't like the way people are talking about the social situations that are going on in the world right now. I'm uncomfortable being in this community with people that have these thoughts. I personally am uncomfortable with that. Can I give myself permission to go, I'm gonna step back mm -hmm. from that because I feel very uncomfortable being in a community that feels this way about a certain marginalized 
yeah. segment of yeah. the world or whatever it is, you know, and that that's okay. Right. So that's, and that's like you said, it, it didn't have to be anybody else's reason, anybody else's story. This is your story. And I love that that to me was, even though you had gone through this entire process, there was that moment where you said, wait a minute, I, I am Sasha. Mm-hmm. And I don't, like I said, I don't want to be your captain. I was just, I thought I was sharing Sasha mm-hmm. with you. Exactly. You put me on a pedestal I didn't ask to be on. Yes. And I'm Sasha. I said that in one of my kind of lives when I was saying that I was, you know, didn't spiritually follow or, or feel connected to their institution. I was like, I understand that some of you have put me on a pedestal. And again, I, I really respect that. And I thank you. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's only one place I can go from there. And it's yes, not up. Exactly. So just keep that in mind. And so when my audience, like, you know, when 7,000 people left now to this point, which is I honor that. I'm so happy for them because they right. got to put themselves in a space that works for them. Right. But what's been really beautiful is to feel the support of the community now. It's just interesting to like see who's still here. Mm-hmm. And they're like, because like you said, I was, I was just sharing Sasha. Mm-hmm. And so the second... Sasha wasn't on this ship, those that really valued the ship left, right? They left my audience. Uh, but those that valued me as a human yeah, stayed. Yeah. And that's lovely. And I that's so that. kind. And I, I feel very, I feel like social media has become more fun for me again. Cause I think for a while there, it was just really heavy. I was just, it was just a lot. I felt like I was carrying a lot on my shoulders. And cause again, I didn't want to I didn't want to disappoint a bunch of people, but at the same time, I knew that I needed to pick myself. And right. and the other thing is, is, I feel like my account didn't all of a sudden become an anti-church account or like, again, another reason I didn't want to be like, here are all the reasons I left because yeah. listen, the information that I have and that I have come to know and I've come to go, oh, I don't, I don't, okay, that's new information mm-hmm. because I now see this I no longer believe this, Mm -hmm. you know, and I thought that information is available to all of you. You can find it. Mm -hmm. Why do you, why do you want me to be the one to deliver it to you again? Right. If you want it, you can get it. But I don't, I also very much don't resonate with the ex Mormon or former Mormon. I love those. I honor their space, but it's just not the space that I want to take up in the world. Right. Because again, for me, I felt like I needed to close a chapter. This chapter of my life was good. There's, there were some peaks and valleys and there was a lot more peaks than there were valleys. And I, the end of the chapter started to get a little bit murky and I finally thought, you know what, I'm going to end this chapter on a good note. So mm-hmm. I did it. But when you read a book and you read chapter five and you're now on chapter seven, you don't keep going back to chapter five in the middle of it to be like, well, that's what I feel like for me personally to continue to talk about the church would be to continue to go back to that chapter. Yes. The chapter's done. I've already done that. Right. It's closed. I'm now moving on and I don't want to talk about it anymore because I don't care. Like right. I really... I have literally already read that chapter. I've been there, done that. So now I'm going to move forward in my life. Yeah. And so the, I had a really hard time. I really feel like words that we say to ourselves matter. So when people say to me like, oh, I knew you would join the dark side or, and they were meaning it in the nice way. Yeah. They themselves. And I just, my response would always be like, I'm really sorry that people labeled what your life is now dark, but I don't resonate with that. Right. I am, I chose myself when I joined the gospel 14 years ago and I cho- chose myself now that I've stepped away. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. honor both of all, I honor both of these choices of mine. Yeah. And so I don't, I really, I know people kind of get a little bit like, wow, you're nitpicky. And I'm like, I am, because if you say something in a message, I'm not going to validate it if it doesn't resonate with me. Right. And so, especially when people would say like, oh, I'm so proud of you. And, oh, you see the light. I would say, I know you think you're being positive, but yeah. I wish people were that proud of me when I was in it. Yeah. And I wish you felt like, cause I never felt dim. Yeah. I never felt dim. Yeah. I don't have more light than I did. I don't have more happiness than I did. Yeah. I have maintained my happiness by picking myself. Oh my gosh. Thank you. 
thank that is a that is exactly right it's like i have i have maintained who i am through joining when i was 21 mm -hmm. and leaving mm -hmm. at 34 mm -hmm. the sasha has been there all along it's been a really all of those yes. decisions and even having that conversation with my family because my uncle and my mom they, they mean well but she's like i'm just really proud of you and i said I I know you mean well, but that hurts right. my feelings. You know, right. my mom's like, why? And I'm like, because I wish you were proud of me when I joined. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. You know, she sent me an article recently with no context. I'm like, why are you sending this article to me? She's like, oh, you know, because you're awakening. And I said, well, I've been awakening for over a decade. Mom. Yeah. Like, yeah. I've, I've really been awakening for over a decade. So right. and it's, I just it, to me, it's like even just I don't know, that's, those are my boundaries. Like, I just try to remind people more and more when they say something to me in a celebratory way. Not that I shut them down, but I just remind them that this being that I am has always been here. Right. I'm right. not. I'm not new. I'm yeah. Not, I might not hold to the same specific actions that you know, like I don't wear garments anymore. I yeah. don't attend the temple. I don't go to church. I have had you know two cups of iced tea in the last six months. You know, like sure, sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a little bit different, but yeah. I'm not a different being. Right. The right. same way that I've had a lot of friends in my life that kind of recircled when I joined the church I lost a lot of friends um and then we kind of recircled back about five years ago and they it was interesting it was all within six months they all said because of my social media because I was more visible and they started to watch they were like you know what you're the exact same person you were when you were 18 I love that but they were like and they one of them particularly when I invited her to my baptism and, and we stopped being friends and she declined and was really really angry she said to me again I hadn't spoken to her in years and she's like I am just I regret that day because I just thought for sure you were going to be so different. And literally, you are the exact same. You just do different things. Like yeah. You go to church instead of going to a coffee shop on a Sunday. Right. Like that's the difference. And right. I'm, she's like, I'm just, I'm really sorry. It took me so long to realize that. And it just, again, I, I, all these things came into my life that I felt like, yeah, this is where the chapter can end. Right. What a beautiful, thank you so much for, I felt myself heal a little bit more right. when I had these people re, like kind of say that to me. And I just thought... Yep, this journey here in the church was never about a church. It was about me. Right. And it was right. about my evolution as a human and my interactions with my friends and family. Right. And to have these full circle moments. I'm gonna go ahead and close the chapter. Thank you, God, for this closing beautiful moment. But this this water's murky and I don't wanna hang out in it anymore. Yeah. You know? And what's ironic about that is isn't that what we've we've heard at different times. We've heard things like, look, your husband's not going to get you into heaven. Your children aren't going to get you into heaven. Um, you are responsible for your life. Right. We hear that, but then we hear of families that have disowned their own children because they chose the boat and rather than the person mm -hmm. who hasn't changed at all. Yeah. I, would, I would probably guess there are a lot of people that are right now saying to themselves, you know what, that, that was me the entire 25 years that I was a member of this church. I was still me. Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, trying to play a role, trying to trying to be somebody who I wasn't, yeah. pleasing these other people fitting into this boat. Mm -hmm. um, and but I've never really changed. I've always been the one that maybe I was even at the topic of ward council mm -hmm. because they're like, you know, what we got we got to talk about that sister Stillman. I don't yeah. know why, you know. <laughs> so I mean, and so which is why sometimes when I made the choice to step out of the boat, people are like, I know it, I know it. Why did they know it? Because that's who I was all along, right? Yeah. And so, but if it's really about you, and if you believe that you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I don't know if you still have a belief in Jesus Christ or where not, you put Not the him. way that it's taught in the church. No, no. Not, not in no. a atonement type savior right. type position. Right. And um, 
but just like you say, just like in other religions and Buddhism and other things where it's like, look, there are wonderful people out there. Mm-hmm. Martin Luther King, Brene Brown, mm-hmm. there's Sam Harris. There are so many wonderful people out there that are enlightening, helping people to find a moral, in- integral part of and being a good person. Right. You know, and so if that's okay and you, what do therapists tell you? Who can you control? You know, yeah, just yourself. Yeah, you, just yourself. You can't control your husband. You can't control mm-hmm. your kids. You don't control yourself. But then when it comes to salvation, it's like, oh no, you're not in charge of you. You mm-hmm. know, oh, I didn't think about it that uh, way. And you're not in charge of you, and it's your responsibility to get everybody else into that same dinner table in the mm-hmm. celestial kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's like how, I can't be both. I can't be responsible for me, but not responsible, but responsible and not responsible. Uh, you know, it's yeah. schizophrenic. It's yeah. absolutely schizophrenic. I didn't even think about that, but that's a good point. So I love, I, I just, but I love the fact that you made that very clear, that you are the same person. And I also love, you mentioned, we just have a few more minutes, but you mentioned the idea of going to therapy and healing from a toxic relationship mm-hmm. through learning what codependency was. Yeah. And talk, just, just let's finish off on just you talking about how you can look at a lot of different relationships in your life as mm-hmm. a codependent relationship. Yeah. When I went to therapy, I was, after about four and a half years, I was an emotionally abusive, toxic, codependent friendship. And so I went to therapy going, you know, I feel like my behavior isn't the best that it could be. Can you help me? I needed to rewire my brain basically. And I learned about codependency and with having terms and and the skill set to kind of rewire my brain to not be codependent and to not rely on somebody else to like determine my mood. Mm-hmm. I then ended up getting out of that friendship, got a lot healthier, had a lot better relationships with other friends just because I wasn't quite so tied up. But because of that experience, I then allowed myself to go, you know what, in further self-reflection, where else are these behaviors present? This was a really exaggerated version of that behavior, but is that also in my relationship with my parents, with my sister, with my friends, with my church, with my God? Like, and I reevaluated all of that and I really started creating boundaries. And one of those boundaries is like understanding that like my own decisions can't always be relied. Like that was about also the point that I stopped being like, I hate the term I felt prompted to. Mm. It says that you don't trust your own decisions, but you're trying to create more validity with somebody else. Mm. Like people say, I felt prompted to tell you this. The second somebody says that I kind of like turn off Mm. because I'm like, you wanted to tell me something, but you're trying to create more validity by telling Mm. me that God told you to say it. You're hiding behind God. And the amount of times that people use that term to manipulate others drives me batty. Right. And so that is the time that I stopped using that phrase is because I realized by saying that I'm still creating a codependent relationship with God. Like I have to tell you something because basically God told me to, (laughs) God didn't tell me to do anything. Yeah. You know? So I started saying like, Hey, I wanted to tell you something or I wanted to express something just in my relationships with humans at church, even my opinions, when I'd raise my hand, I wouldn't be like, well, the spirit has pressed upon me to share that. Hell no. Yeah. I would just say, listen, I had this thought just now. Yeah, because as a human, I wanted to trust my own thoughts, my own heart, my own desires, my own thinking process, because that to me was a codependent relationship with God. So I, I started to trust myself more and let not take God out of it, but like I feel like God's like you're a grown human, you you have free agency. If that's what I'm really taught in this particular church setting, why don't I use that free agency more, yeah, exactly. more fully? Exactly. I love that. That's so, that's so healthy. We can use these tools that we needed for personal relationships with other humans in so many other areas of our life. Mm -hmm. And I I think sometimes that's an awakening process for people to go, wait a minute, in what other areas of my life am Mm -hmm. I using this codependency? Yeah. And I I thought I loved that when you were sharing that with me. And same thing with the church. Like 
I don't know, there's this silly trend going around TikTok where people are like, I'm a Christian, but, and they like share what they're struggling with. And it's like lust, swearing, this. And that whole trend just breaks my heart because I'm like, why, why are we focusing on that? Like right. you're a human being and it's only because someone else tells you that that desire or that thought or that feeling is wrong. Right. So I totally redid it and I was like, I'm a spiritual person and these are things I don't struggle with. And I put <laughs> loving my body and respecting its divinity, yeah. loving and accepting others, feeling deep gratitude because we are all doing our best. Right. Why right. Are, to say I struggle with these things means that you're trying for perfection and that's literally impossible. Right. So or you, you know, or you would say, oh, so what you're struggling with is the culture you were brought up in. Right. You were a Victorian colonizing European American right. who was taught these particular principles that now you're struggling with because if you would have been born in France, they have topless beaches over there Literally. and nobody thinks anything about it. So that would not be a struggle for you. Exactly. So it's a cultural thing 100%. and you got to stop it. You know, exactly. Yeah. It's like, that is not, no, stop. Yeah. 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 Well, Sasha, this has been such an honor. I'm so pleased that you were willing to come and thank you and for share all of this with the, with our complete audience. Um, I want you, I want you all to understand what, what is your age group considered? I can't remember. Are you a Gen X? I'm a millennial. I'm an, are you I'm, a, a, are I'm you like a an elder millennial. Okay. Okay. They're not all bad. Some of them are pretty amazing. Yeah. That's what I wanted to share. But anyway, so thank you so much. Thank and you. please, I hope that you'll reach out to Sasha. Tell her, tell her, um, how you felt about this podcast and share your feelings. And I hope it's helped some of you find, you know, yourself, get off the boat. If the boat's not working for you, jump ship immediately and, uh, find yourself and be proud of who you are. And for Pete's sake, become visible today. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.